Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. Partnership's a big deal. That's what we're going to be talking about today. The Philippian church was all about partnership. That's what we're going to talk about. But before I do, I want to just back up to last week. So uh, in my haste of bringing uh, a lot of things together, I was going through my notes and different things like that. And I told you there's a couple of people in the Bible in Ephesians who helped Apollos. There was Priscilla and Aquila. And, and y'all just took it hook, line, and sinker, you know. One person said, uh, hey, by the way, Priscilla and Aquila. Aquila is the husband of Priscilla. I was like, I just went right over that and never even stopped for a moment but the point is still the same. Um, uh, there are many women in the Bible, as you'll see in the Philippian ch- church as well, and throughout the Bible, there were apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, women just as well as were men. And they're in the Bible. It's just, you know, names are different. Sometimes you've got to look at some of that stuff. But one of those people in, Philippian, in the Philippian church was named Lydia. And uh, I'm not preaching on her today, but just to give you a little backdrop on her, she was a very wealthy businesswoman in the area. We know that because of what she did with purple dye and those kind of things, the purple ribbon or the purple threads and different things that she did with the, the, the fabrics and whatnot. If you read it in our culture, you would think she's like, oh, she just sewing some stuff. Like she, maybe she sewed scarves together. That's baloney. This woman was an entrepreneur. She handled her business and did well with her business, so much so she probably is one of the first ones that came alongside Paul and others and helped support the gospel. She was one of the first converts there. And so um, very important woman in the Bible, and she began to bring people into the church at Philippi. But that's not really my message today, but I just wanted to show you that there are many, many women in the Bible that do great things for God. And and don't look at it, ladies, if you see, you know, I may preach the majority of the time, but like just like when Haley just spoke there, don't overlook the fact that... Um, uh, uh, that there are many, many women in leadership in the Bible. They, they just are. And so you need to know that. Because in our culture today, that's one of the things that people pick on is that, oh, you know, there's this whole thing today. Everybody's got to pick a fight about something, you know. In the church, we ought to be clear about what God's word says. And there's no room for fighting in the church, right? Especially these trivial things the world wants to dig up and, and try to make an issue out of. We need to make sure we understand, have grace with each other, we love one another, and understand what the Bible says. So that we can have peace with one another. And when they get crazy out there, we have peace. That's, that's the goal. That shows the difference in the two of us. So the book of the Philippians. So interesting about Philippians is this is one of the first um, epistles. We call them epistles. This is in the series we're in right now. It's the letters of Paul. Philippians is one of the first books I began to study, not because I was required to at school. It wasn't because it was a college course. Uh, it wasn't because it was a Bible study I was in. I don't know why. I just... Maybe it's because I always heard about the scripture, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I, I don't know what it was. That was just the one I'd always heard. Maybe I found the Bible. I'm not sure what got me started on this, but Philippians uh, is a very interesting book to me. Out of the four, you'll see Ephesians, uh, Philippians, Colossians, and uh, Philemon, or Philemon, or however you want to call it. Um, those four, we call them the prison letters, but Philippians is different. Ephesians, Colossians, they, they write very similar. Paul talks about some things, and what you'll see when we go to Colossians. But he talks about some things that are very similar. Whereas in Philippians, it's completely different. You'll see him shift gears in Philippians uh, from the standard conversation he has in Ephesians and Colossians and even in Philemon. Philippians is really, his letter, it really had about five consistent parts in here. So when you, when you read this this week, and that's what we're doing when we preach on a book, you're, you're going to read your book for the Bible 
during the week. It won't take long. This and believe me, you're going to break right now, right? Uh, These are easy. So, but there's about five areas that really come out in Philippians, okay? Some of these areas, I'm just going to read quickly to you. There's the gospel. Paul talks about the gospel in Philippians. He also talks about partnership, which is what we're going to focus on today. He talks about unity. He talks about Christology or Christology, however, it's the study of Christ. It is, it's very, very in-depth about Jesus Christ in his ministry or his work. Not, not so much in the writings of the Gospels. This is more about the doctrine of Christ and how he functions and operates today. We're not going to talk about that as much either. He talks about joy, right? Can't we all use a little more joy? Yes, we can. And he talks about what we don't like to talk about, which is suffering. No one likes that, but let's just all be real. Ain't no sense in acting like a bunch of Christians with angel wings walking around like, oh, I never have any problems. Baloney. Do we not have issues? We have issues. No sense in acting like the Christians that nothing ever happens. I'm just glorious. Hallelujah. Whatever. you weird is what you are because we know stuff happens to you too just like it does us. Right? So what we're going to look at today is the area of partnership uh, with Paul in the book of Philippians. So I'm going to give you just a little backdrop on Philippians, the culture, before we... Before we dig into this, okay? In Philippians, you may not know uh, about the city, but you do know very much about uh, an individual that is related to the naming of the city. You won't know it until I say the name, but right now you're thinking, I, I, it, you know, it's just Philippians is all I knew. What you'll find about the Bible, the more you read this and study, especially if you, if you study New Testament from a history standpoint, historical, you know, the layout of the history of the New Testament or the Old Testament, but specifically New Testament, you will find that the reason why people want to try to dismiss the Bible many times, they don't like what the Bible says, but they have to be careful because the Bible doesn't contradict itself. It actually affirms historical documents in other countries. So much so if they're, if they push too hard, then you have to deny other works. Like, for instance, today, when I share this with you, in Philippians, it has its roots contained in someone named Aristotle and also Plato. Now, we all know, oh, God forbid, we don't dare touch Plato. He's so wise, you know. We put so much stock in Plato, but yet Plato has very few writings in comparison to the amount of writings they found of the New Testament. In Qumran and the Dead Sea Scrolls, there's so many writings that they found in this last century that proves without a doubt you can't make this up. There's so many extra, extra copies that they found that lines up with the original manuscripts that they took from your Bible. It is verifiable. It is impossible for someone to make this stuff up. It only affirms God's plan from the very beginning. But, oh, we'll put Plato up here. He's only got like a couple of writings, you know, like let's say he wrote one little book. They have got thousands, they have found hundreds of these volumes all throughout the place. And you can compare, they're identical. Do you know how hard it is? If you've ever played the telephone game, just to get that right in a five-minute span with this room, do you know if I started over here and said, hey, listen, I like orange juice. By the time it got over here, it would say something like, Pastor Jody's a communist. I mean, who knows what it would come with? It's crazy. It sounds kind of like Facebook, don't it? I mean, it's like you, you intend one thing before you know it. Somebody says you're this, right? So telephone game is difficult. Do you know how hard it is to write? This is not in the era of technology like we have. They hand 
would handwrite these manuscripts. And they had to be so precise. And over thousands of years, they still today can't find contradiction with your Bible. It's the beauty that God did. So a little bit about that, Philippians. So let me just read you a couple of thoughts, okay? The city of Philippi is what it's actually called. It rose to prominence. It became the capital of the Greek Empire, okay? And so it was named after Philip II of of Macedon, Macedonia now, but Macedon. He gained control of the city after the residents appealed him for help against their enemies. So he renamed the city Philippi. And it's the first time a city has been ever was ever named after its benefactor, if you will. First time. So he, this guy's like his name's Philip. Hey, let's call it Philippi, right? That's cool. I mean, he's the first guy. His dream was he had so many resources because Philippi was known for the research, their commodities, gold, silver, probably bauxite, timber. They were very wealthy in natural resources. And so Philip, he dreamed of uniting Greece, and he dreamed of, of, of taking his unification of Greece and conquering the world. That was his goal. I got gold, yeah? I got timber, I'm going to take over the world. It sounded like, you know, it's one of his cartoons, right? But unfortunately, it didn't happen for him. He, he died an early death. Uh, most people think he was probably, you know, assassinated. That happened a lot back then. But he died an early death. But... Someone came along that you will recognize that did rule the world, and his son's name was Alexander the... Now you're like, I heard of him. See, if you're not careful and take out Philippians, all of a sudden you have to take away Alexander the Great. Oh, we know, we can't do that, right? So his son, he runs the, you know this, <clears throat> by the age of 19, he, he goes into Philippi. In 12 years, he established world dom- dominion for the Greeks. And basically after this, it, he conquered so much land, he, it was massive in its expansion. The only ones that came in later, right before, in the time of the era of Christ, uh, a little, maybe a little bit before, 40 years, 60 years before, but uh, was the Romans. They came in and they overtook the Greeks, and now they're in occupation of Philippi, or Philippi. So when Paul writes about Philippians, understand that cultural backdrop. Why is that important? They have resources. They have a cultural uh, city that's very familiar with business. Okay, why, that's why Lydia would have been the businesswoman that she was. She wasn't just you know decided to do something. This is a commerce city. They understood how to work with the city government and other things. They're very probably affluent, but much more than that, they were they understood how things operated. They were not. Um, uneducated people. They were very educated. They knew how to deal with things in life. So with that understood, now, now it's telling you that the Philippians, they were a church with the resources that reflected their city. A lot of times we don't understand that people, we, we think things, especially pastors, we go to Bible college and we have all these dreams, and, oh, we're going to do all this stuff and we see stuff on TV, like that's what it's got to be, and you just get all this excited. But what we forget sometimes, even in, in universities when they teach us things, is we forget to talk about the fact that cities are different. And churches many times reflect the culture of the city. I'm not talking about worldly culture. I'm saying that, you know, if I'm in rural farmland in the Midwest, would it make any sense to come rolling up in there in skinny jeans and acting like somebody from the metro area of New York City? Would it? Would I look a little weird? What if I was in cowboy town in, in deep Oklahoma where they have, you know, farm ranches and cattle and all kind of, and I, I tried to dress that way, come in with it. They look at me like, son, what is wrong with you? Well, what are you, 
You get your sauce from New York City? You know, that kind of thing. They'd be like, what's wrong with you, man? Only about it got that was the people that remember the Pace Picante commercials. You need to Google that. That's kind of funny. <clears throat> but you, we forget that our culture is many times in a church reflected maybe a mirror of the city. It doesn't mean you operate like the city. It doesn't mean you act like the city from the worldly perspective. It means that the culture is different. If I were to take you to South Sudan, the culture is different, completely different from here. You're not going to get your American way. I mean, you, you're barely going to get something to eat. Like, well, I, I, I want a coffee. Well, you, good luck. You might, you might not. Culture is important. And so they realized, the Philippians understood, that they were a church with resources, and they realized that if the gospel was going to go forward, this is what they understood. Paul needed them. And they needed Paul. It was a partnership. That's important to understand because we think of Paul as a guy who just trailblazed. He's just, oh, Paul's like this apostle. I mean, Jesus spoke to him in a dream and he's an amazing guy. And he was. But Paul will be the first one to tell you that he was not alone in his work. He had partners. And I got to thinking about this, and, you know, probably going to change it now. My team will be like, oh, my gosh. But I got to think about this. You know, we talk about membership, which we're going to be doing Catch the Vision, and you can, you know, learn about the church and, and be a part, those kind of things. But he got me thinking about this. You know, culture says membership, membership. That's what we know here. But the problem with that word is membership. It's nothing to do with church. Church is filled with partnership. And you know the difference in those two words. Just because I just, by saying those two words, you know the difference, don't you? If you say a membership, it's like a gym membership. I'm going to pay my dues, but when I get there, what do you expect? That thing better be clean. Well, somebody's nappy, sweaty self been sitting on that machine. They better clean it. I need plenty of mirrors, so why? I can see myself. Don't be like acting all humble. Like, oh, we prideful. When you go to the gym, you're prideful. I used to work out a lot. Listen, I mean, I look like it now, but I used to. I know what the mirrors are for. You, you act like you ain't looking, but you looking. And if you ain't careful, you, you want to try to stand up a little straighter because you realize, man, I ain't, that guy's bigger than me. You know, you, you, now maybe ladies, you don't do it that way, but I'm telling you, guys, that's what we're doing. If you think a guy ain't looking in the mirror, listen, he's got you fooled. He is checking himself out. He's so vain in the gym, he can't help it. That's the truth right there. But a gym membership, you go in there to lift weights, you expect certain things to be a certain way. It's not a partnership. You know why? Because if it was a partnership, then you'd put your weights up when you're done. In a membership, you say, you're getting paid to deal with that. You put the weights up. I'm going to work out. A partnership says, I'm going to put the weights up. It's why you go to a golf course. If you go to play golf, you're a member at a golf course. But you ain't out there cutting the grass. Why? Because that guy's cutting the grass. He better make it good. And you get mad if they don't fix the divots. Like, man, they ought to fix the divots. I Because you're a member. That's why in church sometimes... People get a little frustrated because it doesn't suit what they want. It might be because we have a mentality of membership versus partnership. When it's partnership, if I see trash on the lawn, I don't expect a staff member to pick it up. I pick it up. Me, me, Jody, Pastor Jody, right here. I see trash, I pick it up. Why? Because I'm a partner in the ministry of the gospel of Christ here. If I'm a partner, I'm not waiting for somebody else to jump in. You need me? I'm there. Why? Because I'm a partner. A member says, somebody else will handle it. That's what we pay the staff for. 
That's member mentality. So I got to thinking, maybe we shouldn't call it membership. We should probably call it partnership. Because in partnership, we're in this together. And we work together in partnership with the gospel of Christ. So Paul uses a number of words. I'll put these on the screen for you. A number of words that's similar to partnership in Philippians. And these are those words right here. I'll put these up for you. We'll put all these up. These are words that you'll see in Philippians that are all the same. Okay, Participation, share, opportunity, giving and receiving, provision, concern, fellowship. These are all linked together with the word partnership. So I'm going to share with you a couple of things here from Philippians that, that I think will explain this. Okay, So number one thing that Paul talked about was the f- partnership in the gospel. You know, we have missions work and outreach efforts that we are in partner with. When you see them out there, we are in partnership with those people. Not one of you in here can preach the gospel. Now, if you can, come talk to me. But not one of you that I know of um, can go to the Middle East and preach the gospel in a Middle Eastern language. Now, if you can, you need to come talk to me, really. I need to meet you. I mean, I really need to meet you because we could use your help. But we have a partnership with the Clarks. Now, do they speak the language? No. But they train Arab leaders for the, for the partnership in the gospel to reach into Arab nations. What are we, are we doing that? No. But what do we do? We partner with them and they do it. Are they on their own? No. We're backing them in prayer and support and etc. But guess what? If someone gets saved in the backside of some Arabian desert, do you realize the significance of that in your partnership? Do you think the Clarks get to heaven one day and God says, yes, thank you. You did such a great job. And then you get there and then he says, well, thanks for coming to church on Sunday. You know, you didn't do a whole lot, but thanks for coming to church. No. He looks at you and says, thank you for partnering with other men and women with the gospel. Because of your partnership, they preached Those people were saved. The reward is the same. When the military goes overseas, listen, this is why, stay out of the politics of this, but if the military goes overseas, if you have men and women fighting for our nation, remove the optics of politics for a minute. If those men and women put a uniform on, I do not care why. When they come back to the American soil, they deserve our respect And our honor, period. Remove politicians from it. Those men and women have given more than we can ever imagine. But watch this. Out of respect for that, listen to this side of it. Can they do it without you? No. If we don't have the resources as a nation, we can't send them forward. They are expecting us to back them up as a nation. They're expecting, I don't want to get the weeds, but I'm going to, the politicians to stop playing games with them, give them what they need so they can do their job. That's all they really ask for. So if we don't do that and back them, guess what? Now they're on their own. But a partnership says, I'm not going to leave you without what you need. I'm going to support you through this. Your trial may be greater than mine, but I'm coming alongside you with what I can supply to help you make it through this. It's a partnership. So there's a partnership in the gospel. So he says this. He said, I thank my God. This is Philippians 1, chapter 3. I mean, chapter 1, verse 3. He says, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. 
For I'm confident in this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Partnership. He said, for it is only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart. Since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, watch this, you are all partakers of grace with me. Now, in some theological standpoints, people would say things like this. Well, he's talking about the grace of God. I would beg to differ. There is the grace of God, but there are also graces, many different graces that would be resting on ministers. That's why there are some are apostles, some are prophets, some are evangelists, some are pastors, and some are teachers. There's a grace to do those different things. There's a grace to lead ministries, a grace to lead a small group. There's a grace to volunteer in church, to lead kids. There's a grace to do certain things. And Paul is saying, you are partakers with me in this grace. Sometimes we forget about that. That in your partnership, you forget. That's why if you see someone walking around and maybe they're a Muslim, don't feel intimidated. You're in partnership with Middle Eastern missions. The same grace that's on them, guess what? It's on... Y'all didn't catch that. I said the same grace that's on them is on... How about... There you go, right. There you go. The same grace that's on them, it's on who? That's right. So when you see someone, you just go, well, you know, I don't know anything. I don't know Arabic. I don't know anything. It doesn't matter. Grace is on them to minister to people. Just step out and try. Hey, uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. um, How are you? You'd be surprised. They might say, I'm fine. How are you? All of a sudden, watch out. That grace might start working. You might lead someone to Christ. Understanding the partnership of the gospel. You're partakers of the same grace. He had also had a couple others. Partnership in prayer. This is important. Partnership in prayer. This is in Philippians 1 and verse 19. Let me read this to you. It says, For I know this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers. He's in prison. He says, I know this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He goes so much to say this, that even if it doesn't turn out the way I think it will, for me, to live is Christ. I'll continue to do the work of God. But to die is gain. I'm going to heaven. Either way, if I don't make it out of prison, I win. So what Paul said, your provision of prayers matters. Now watch this. I'm going to be very, very transparent with everyone in this room. Watch this. He knew when his partners were praying for him. Can I just be real, real transparent with us all? We know. You don't have to tell me. As a pastor, I can sense when people are praying for me and when they are criticizing me. I know when people are lifting me up and when they are not. I can get around people and I can sense, you can sense, and you might think it's kooky, you can sense a spirit on someone walking right by them. You know if they're with you or they're against you. That's why Paul said for some of them are with us and some of them are against us. That's why Paul didn't fluff around with people that left. If they was really with you, they wouldn't leave. Y'all got what I'm saying, right? We call them fair weather fans, right? I ain't going to dig too much, but just a little. This morning, I thought I might just a little bit just say, I enjoyed last night myself. It was nice. It wasn't the color red I wanted, but you know what? I'll take any of them right now. But Fairweather fans, you talk to any of them, no matter what, if they lose. I'm still pulling for the Falcons. We'll see if London helps. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. But it stinks, doesn't it, when you're not winning. But a true fan will stick with them anyway. 
Fairweather fans are like, well, if it benefits me, but if it don't, I'm out. Y'all see the difference? Partnership's a different thing. Prayer. And they, he knew, he equated their prayers with the provision of the Spirit. That is powerful. Never underestimate the power of your prayer. Even it's as simple as this. Dear Lord, I pray for Pastor Jody that we help him lead our church in the best way possible. You know what? That'll work. God, I pray. Take a card out there on the wall. I pray for these missionaries overseas right now in Sudan. God, I don't know what they're dealing with, but I'm praying for the leadership. I pray for Dr. John right now in Jesus' name. You think, well, how powerful? It is powerful. You have no idea the power of your prayers when you just say simple things. I don't care if it's can, you're driving down the street. Can you a prayer, baby? I don't care. Open that can up and say, this is all I know. God help Pastor Jody. Thank you. Yes. It works. You don't have to be eloquent in speech and give off great theological conversations with God. He all know already knows your stuff anyway. No sense of playing games with him. He's like, I wish you wouldn't use those words. You don't know what they mean. Just just be honest with me right now. He'd rather us be that way. Partnership and prayer. He also said this, <clears throat> the partnership of unity. I'm going to give you a couple more and then we'll wrap up. The partnership of unity. He addressed two ladies in the church because they got into a friction. I don't know why. It doesn't really say. It doesn't matter why. But apparently, watch this. They were ministry gifted enough in the ministry. He valued them so much to say, your disagreement is hurting more than it's helping Work it out because you're so valuable to the ministry at Philippi. Fix your disagreement and work together. You know, sometimes, guys, our differences really aren't worth the fight. You believe in a pre-trib, post-trib, whatever trib we call it. Does it really matter? I mean, it really does it really matter when marriages are falling apart? When kids are going through serious issues, people are in hospitals dying, does it really matter right now which trib it is you believe in? I could give you my position. I could argue it really well. I'll give you elegant conversations about eschatology and show you why I believe what I believe and why I think this and what. It, it, but does it really, I mean, it matters, but is it really the thing that should divide us? It really shouldn't. This is why Paul said to the Corinthian church, you know what, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than all of you. But in the church... I'd rather have five words in a language everybody understands so edify the church. But people are still fighting. Well, you pray in tongues and you don't, so I won't pick a fight with you. Does it really matter? Does it matter? Well, yes, it matters. Well, it matters to you. But in the scheme of everything that God's dealing with right now, is that really the top of the list that we should be focused on? Work out your divisions, he said. Have unity. And then he talked about this whole idea of partnership and suffering. He said this in Philippians 3.10, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and then understand the fellowship of his sufferings. You know, this last year and a half, I think we've all had some suffering. I think we all experienced some things in some way or another. But Paul's very clear about this. He said, man, I've been through some stuff. I've dealt with some things. I've gone through some issues and I realize this is one thing that's true. If Jesus suffered, I shall also suffer for Christ. I didn't say you had to be some weak-kneed Christian that says everything is just, oh, woe is me. It's the end. I didn't say that. We have victory through Christ. Hey, listen, whether in prison or not, does that change the fact of my salvation? 
Come on, does it? Does it change the effect of my salvation if I don't get the promotion that I wanted for? No. Does it change if my husband won't pick up his underwear off the floor? No. My salvation is secured in Christ, so I rejoice, Paul says. Yet again, because I can't figure out another word to say to you about how to be excited about salvation. Rejoice again, I say. That's what he said. He couldn't think of nothing else. He's like, a smart guy, but, you know, I guess it's just be redundant. Rejoice again, I say. In prison or out of prison. Rejoice even when you're suffering. Jesus said this in John 15, verse 18. You can read this and just write it down. He says, man, if they hated me, guess what they're going to do? Oh, they're going to love you. Darling, you got your fish on the back of your car? Posting your little Christian scriptures? Got your Christian cross on? You're looking good. Sunday, go to eating after church, and everybody says, oh, look, there's a Christian. Oh, there's a Christian. Let's open the door for him. Come on in, sweet child of God. <laughs> we have been waiting all day for you. We have a table specifically for you. It's a glorious spot. The, oh, God Almighty, it seems like God's glory is just all over you. Come right in. No, if they hated Jesus, don't be a fool. They're going to hate your guts. So don't compromise the gospel. It's like Haley was saying, like, oh, you can put 400 colors on a rainbow if you want to. That rainbow is a sign from the Almighty God. And you can paint it any color you want to, line up other stripes on it if you want to, but it comes over the horizon of God's earth and it was gifted to us by God as a promise of a covenant, not for some group to use and hijack. It's of God. It's of God. And I know that ruffles people's feathers. like, oh, I wouldn't say that. Hey, if they hated Jesus, they're going to hate you. You think Jesus would have walked around and said, well, it's okay, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. He hurt everybody's feelings. If they hated him, they hate you. Doesn't mean we're going to be mean, but I'm not going to backpedal off of the gospel just to appease a few people. You have to know that. He says, a slave is not greater than his master. That means if he persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. We are servants of Christ. And you might as well just jump on in full force and say, well, if he suffered, I shall suffer also. You know, kids say a couple things to you that's very interesting at times. Kids say things that kind of catch your attention. And so my middle ones tell me something, um, or my oldest ones tell me something just, uh, I guess it was yesterday. And um, we were talking about, uh, or it might have been actually, yeah, Friday I guess it was. But we were talking about something and we were talking about flying, I, I don't know why Sudan was brought up, but flying to Sudan. And we got talking about different things and she said, you know, Dad, the funny thing is we all are all so afraid of death. We just are. She said, the crazy thing is when you think about it, if it happens, it happens. We go, huh? I'm waiting for like the, the next point. She said, you know, I just, it's, instead of worrying about it so much, we'd be in heaven. If it happens, it happens. I thought, man, drop the mic on that. I mean, we are we are so in fear, and I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to, you know, make it light, because I'm not. You know, this year has been really rough. As far as pastors and, and how many people, if you total the number of people as pastors we have buried in this city, you'd be shocked. Because I know everybody's got their thing they watch, but. I'm just telling you, as a pastor, trust me when I tell you this. I ain't going to empty coffins, okay? It, it, there's, it's been a long 
24 months. But I thought, how true is that? Go we go. Paul would say, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I'm not looking to check out early. I don't want to. Got too much stuff I feel like God wants me to do. But I don't want to fear it either. The last thing I want to close out with this for you this morning is this. Is he discussed this whole idea of partnership and giving, which I alluded to a moment ago when I was talking about mission support. <clears throat> Paul would tell the Philippian church, he said, you know, no other church supported me in giving and in receiving. So many times we think about this, we just give. We don't understand the other side of receiving. Now, I'm not talking about getting you a new car, a new plane, a new whatever. But when you support and partner with the gospel, I've seen this in my own kids' lives. It may not come back to me monetarily, but I can tell you for a fact, God has done things for my family that I believe are directly connected to the partnership of the gospel. I do. I believe that with all my heart. You may think, well, I never had God do anything for me. I bet if you stop saying that and look back on the people that maybe God put around your kids or your family, maybe it wasn't money, maybe it was people. There are people that echo what I believe with my kids' lives now because I don't teach their classes. I'm not in all their friends' circles. God puts things around you. And Paul said this, listen, I know how to live with great means and I've been down the dirt bottom. I know how to do either one. But I thank my God that he shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. He was talking about partnership. He was not talking about just getting our little needs met. He was saying, because of your partnership in the gospel, I pray that my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Now, with that being said this morning, I just want you to take a moment as I pray for you. And just in any of these areas where we're talking about partnership with God and the gospel, maybe some prayer, maybe some provision or giving and receiving, maybe it's in suffering. Whichever one the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about right now, I just want you to turn your heart to God as I pray for you. So I want you to close your eyes and bow your head. Father, in Jesus' name, we are talking today about the partnership with you and your church and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the church at Philippi, you were very clear with Paul that no other church communicated with him or were a part of giving and receiving like this church was. They were very, very unique. They were very positioned to do some things to help Paul. Even in the prison, he rejoiced in the Lord. And again, he said, I say rejoice. So I pray today for every one of us in this room, maybe we've allowed the last year and a half to get our eyes off of you in some of these areas. Maybe we forgot to pray a little bit more. Maybe we've allowed circumstances around us fear to keep us from being um, a part of the partnership in the gospel and praying for our missionaries or praying for our spiritual leaders or our partnership with our kids or whatever the case might be. I pray in the name of Jesus, whatever it might be, I pray that you'd help us today to realign our lives with you in the partnership of the gospel. God, I pray that you'd help us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would teach us today. Show us, God, what you want us to see from your word in the book of Philippians. 
And Lord, I pray today, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, I pray that today they would turn their hearts to you. So with your eyes closed, no one looking around right now. I know what you're thinking, so if you're watching online, the same thing, just with your eyes closed. No one's looking. So Pastor Jody, we pray this every week. It seems routine. Let me tell you something. I will pray this every time because I never know who's in the room or who's watching online. And you never know whose life is going to be impacted by praying this prayer. So if you're here and you don't know Christ or maybe you're watching online right now, you say, hey, I don't, I don't know if I know Jesus. I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. This whole church is going to pray with you. You're not going to pray by yourself. We're going to pray with you together. We're going to partner with you in our prayers together right now. So with your eyes closed, no one looking, would you just pray this prayer with me right now in this whole church? Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today. I surrender my life. I give you it all. I make you the Lord of my life. I ask you to forgive me of all sin. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill me and that you would teach me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you. Would you give me a hand, church, right now? <clears throat> so proud of you. If you're watching online or in this room as well, you can simply go to connect.cornerstonerome.com. We'd love to help you get started walking with God, especially if you're new to the faith or maybe you say, well, I didn't know much about God and, and, and I just... I've just been in Rome all my life and I don't know much about the Lord. We want to help you get started walking with the Lord. It's important that you become a disciple of Christ and not just a Roman Christian. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about? A Roman Christian. I mean, this Rome, not that Rome overseas, this Rome. Roman Christians are a dime a dozen. We don't want to be Roman Christians. We want to be disciples. There's a difference. So if you're watching online as well, we'd love to help you get started with that. Just go to connect.cornerstonerome.com. We'll get you started there. Everybody in the room, let's all stand up together. I want to pray this over you before you go. It's a very important prayer to me. Um, if you read this in Numbers, you know, since Philippians is so short, you might go back and read Numbers a little bit. But if you look at Numbers chapter 6, it's a very short uh, chapter. But you'll find this is very interesting before we speak this over you. The scriptures say this, the Lord says unto Aaron, says most, tell Aaron this, that as the priesthood, when you speak this over the people, it is as if God is speaking it. Go back and read. It's very interesting. He's not just a religious thing we do here. I, I'm doing this because I believe that God Almighty will bless you. It's not me speaking. If you think it's me speaking over you, wrong. I'm speaking God's word over you. And I believe same thing applied. To, if he told Aaron to do it, and he said, if when he speaks it, it'll be as if I'm speaking it, then I believe he's still speaking it today. I don't believe it's any different. So let me just speak this over you right now before we go. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you his peace. Man, God bless you so much. You guys be blessed. We'll see you next week. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.